listing about God's kingdom family, sons of God. Are we excited? What do we do with the message when we hear it on a Sunday? What do we do with it? Sorry? We need to dwell on it, don't we? We actually need to... And if you, if you can't remember everything, it's always up on our website. It's always up on our podcast. It's like it's online. You, you can access it on your mobile phone. It's good to dwell on it. Like a cow, it goes through one stomach and it goes through another stomach and then it even goes through another stomach. Three stomachs. Four stomachs. There's four stomachs. Okay, I'm learning something new every day. There's four stomachs. There's lots of processing that goes on in a cow. But look, but look at what happens. It goes from grass to milk. Huh. So we need to... It goes to beef. Yeah, thanks, Steve. There's, there's a way, yeah, anyway. anyway. <laughs> Steve always likes his comments. <laughs> but you're right, we should, we should process it. We should, we should dwell on it. Because we don't want to be like someone who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what they even look like. We actually need to look intently that we actually don't just listen to the word and deceive ourselves, but we actually walk in it. Amen. And so, you know, I always encourage people when they're getting into the Word of God, you know, don't feel like you've got to read chapters every day. Just read a passage. Just, just read a bit and just dwell on it. Just chew it. Just meditate on it and let that become part of you and then move on to the next and then move on to the next. Amen? Yeah? Okay. Lord, we want to thank you that your Word is living and active. Lord, it is sharper than a double-edged sword. We want to thank you today that your spirit is active amongst us as well. And we ask today, God, that there will be revelation after revelation after revelation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That things that need to break off, mindsets that need to change, would change in Jesus' name. That your spirit would take this word today, God, and transform us even right here in this moment. That we would have a soul experience, God, today in this place. For your glory, Jesus. Amen? Amen. So the, the revelation, which is not a new revelation if you've been here for a while, is that Christianity is relational. It's relational. That's the basis of it. But I'm not sure we realize how relational it actually is. Because of our Western culture that is so, like, independent, I don't think we actually fully grasp it. You talk to someone who lives in an Asian country or you talk to someone from Jewish um, descent, you know, they will tell you how family it really is. We need to realize that the Father sent His Son. <laughs> he didn't send... A servant, he didn't send a slave, he didn't send an angel, he sent his son. The father sent his son. You know, the answer is always a son. And the son lived in such a way that he lived for the glory of the father. The father glorifies the son and the son glorifies the father. It is so relational. He sent his son. And in fact, Scripture says that he was the firstborn among many sons. Amen? 
Romans 8. We probably know verse 29 really well. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You hear people quote that all the time. But do we know verse 29, which is linked very much to verse 28? For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Brethren, you know, I was thinking about this relationship between the father and the son during the week as I was praying. You know, there's such honour in that relationship. The father honoured the son and the son, the son honoured the father. You know, we live in a culture that is so dishonouring. I was at soccer last night playing against the team. Man, there was so much disrespect and dishonour from them. It was Unbelievable. Make you want to vomit. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, and it, but, it, but it makes me realise that we don't bring our kids up that way. We bring our kids up to respect people. Yep. Not to tear them down. Not to poke holes in them. Not to be cocky. The father honoured the son and the son honoured the father. And how do we honour one another more? You know, when we were born again, we were not born again into our religion. Hallelujah. When we're born again from the Spirit of God, from above, when we're born again, we weren't born into our religion, we were born into a relationship. Jesus made the way for us and we were born into a relationship. We were born into a family and that's the family of God's. We're not orphans. So we've heard this time and time again. We're not orphans, but we are sons in the kingdom together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Just think about some of the verses, and these are just some of the verses that speak to us. In John chapter 1, it'd be good when we get a little bit cooler so the fans don't blow around, won't it? In John chapter 1, we read this. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. Amen. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. We've been born again of God and we are his children. We belong to him and by implication we belong to one another because we are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family together. Amen. And it obviously goes beyond these four walls. It goes beyond our households into other households in the city. And that is a a challenge. Ephesians. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. He says this in chapter 1, verse 5. He says, He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Let me read that again. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. And Paul reminds the church in in Galatia something similar. And he says to them, when the time came to completion, God sent His Son born of a woman, 
born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And because you are no longer a slave but a son, and God has made you an heir. And we, and we remind ourselves today that we're sons. Women, you are sons because you carry identity and you carry authority in the kingdom. Just as men, we are part of the bride of Christ. Both mess with your head a little bit, but it's true. Because a son, it's scripturally, it's true. A son has identity and authority and inheritance. And men, we're part of the bride of Christ. That's a, just a little side thing. We are in Christ. The revelation where we have to get in our spirit. We have to get in our spirit. And if we haven't got in our spirit, you know what we need to do? We need to pray. We need to come before God and say, God, I need this revelation. I need to be set free of, any, of anything else that would stop this revelation from coming. That is it. What God is so faithful that when you start praying that prayer, he will answer it. He's not into trickery. You start praying that prayer, the Holy Spirit will start work and he will answer it. But this is the revelation that the church in Australia needs, that we are in Christ. You go, Tim, that's not much of a revelation. But it's such a revelation. But the problem is, you know what? We hear it so much, but we actually haven't really fully grasped what it means to be in Christ. We hear it and we go, yeah, I'm in Christ. What does it mean? What does it mean for me to be in Christ? And it means this, that you are totally secure. You are totally loved and you are totally accepted in him. Jesus was secure as a son. And the Father desires for us to get this revelation too. Amen. You are loved. Even if you've had a crappy day. You're still loved. Matthew 3. I love this. Man, I could just preach on this for hours. There's so much in it. But it's okay, I won't preach for hours. But there's always someone that would like me to, isn't there? Matthew 3. Oh. When Jesus was baptised. In verse 16. When Jesus was baptized, Matthew 3, we went up immediately. He went up immediately. I'll grab that, Kathy. Just near your foot there. He went up immediately from the water. Thank you. And the heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove from heaven and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. With whom I am well pleased. And you know what? That is the revelation that we need. In Christ. This is my beloved son. 
with whom I'm well pleased. And we've got to understand that Jesus hadn't performed any miracles yet. We have this mindset of when I do something, I will, God is pleased with us. But you know what? He is pleased with us, so then we do something. We don't do something to get loved. We are loved, so we do something out of love. We love others. We give to others. We help others. We serve others. Not to gain love, but because we are loved. Jesus hadn't performed any miracles. He hadn't done any of that yet. And the Father spoke of him. This, is, this, this was like the, the stamp from heaven coming down upon him. This was the seal. And it said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So then when Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, into the tests and the trials, you know what? The Spirit of God is in that. We've already heard today that the testing of your faith develops persevere, uh, patience and patience must finish its work so you become complete, mature. So, but I'm not going to go there today. You can read it in Matthew 4. But when the devil came to test Jesus, it was like Teflon coating. Nothing stuck. It was water off a duck's back. It had nothing on Jesus. Why? Because the declaration had already been made. This is my beloved son. And Jesus knew that he was a son. And everything that the father had was his. He knew that. He didn't need all the trickery of the, of the devil. And you know what? We have to get this revelation in our hearts that we are beloved of God. That we are beloved of God and God is speaking over you today. My son, my daughter, I am pleased with you and I love you. You are not fighting to be loved. You are already loved. You know what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to transform your life. It's going to transform your family. It's going to transform the church. It's going to transform why? Because when you know you are secure and loved and accepted, you don't need to compete with other people anymore. You don't need to strive to be noticed because God notices you. You are noticed. You don't have to be up here. You don't have to try and work your way. You don't have to put gossip over here or a bit of jealousy over there. You don't need any of that because you are loved. And as Jesus just said, well, I haven't come to be served, but I've come to serve. You know what? You can start to serve. And we see it in the early church. When Paul said to Timothy, pick elders from amongst them who would lead they were already doing it. He wasn't going, hmm, now who can I pick today to be an elder? He saw those whose families were in order. He saw those whose character was good. He saw all those that could handle the word of God correctly. They were already doing it. And he said, you need to be an elder, you need to be an elder, you need to be an elder, you need to be an elder. We have this thing that we're waiting for a position and then I'll do it. No, 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 we're out of love, we just do it. And then God says, ah, that person, that person, that person. It's the, we were talking about it at um, Impact on Wednesday night. About the son, the prodigal son, and the older son. And the older, the older son was doing everything he could to be noticed by the father. He was doing everything he could to win the approval of the father. And when the prodigal son came home and, you know, dad put the, the robe on him, that is the robe of righteousness, his, his shame and his sin was covered, it was gone. He put the ring on his finger, 
There was identity and authority that he carried and he put sandals on his feet signifying that he had a hope and a future and a life. And the older brother just got jealous because of the party that was throwing because he considered that he was the faithful one. And the father said this to him. He said, son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. There is a banquet table that is before us. But much of the church settles for the crumbs. There is a banquet table. Scripture says that he has given us everything for life and godliness. He's opened the door, he's made the way, the veil's been torn, he's given us of his spirit. He's done it all. And we just need to take a moment to breathe and to fix our eyes upon him and let the revelation come. Amen? We don't want to be like, is it Matthew 22 or something? We don't want to be a people where the, the banquet is prepared and they go, come. And they go, I'm just too busy, I can't come. Began to make excuses. It's in the Gospel of Luke, I think, where, it's, you know, where, where I began to make excuses about I've just bought oxen, I've just bought a field, I've just bought... I just got married. We don't want to be those people. We want to come to the table. The provision of God, the abundance of God, the blessing of God. David referred to the table. He said, you have set before me a table in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. I love that. It's like not just, oh, yeah, I've got a cup that's full. My cup overflows. In the presence of my enemies, you have set a table before me. We are the head, we're not the tail. We are loved, secured, accepted. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We are all that in Christ who love us. He's given us of his spirit. He has done everything. There is a table that is set before us and we've got to stop eating the crumbs and we've got to stop getting in and we've got to start getting into the smorgasbord. Stop living off the scraps and get into the smorgasbord of God. Woo! <laughs> Oh, because Jesus said, didn't he? I've come to bring you abundant life. Didn't he? Not just life, not just mediocre, not just get through, but abundant life, abundant life. The kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on. And the enemy just wants to just suck the life out of you. He wants to take the hope. He wants to take the joy. He wants to take that stuff. But you know what? As we focus on Jesus, the, the banquet table is before us in the presence of our enemies. We are called to overcome and prosper. We're sons. How great the love of the Father has lavished on us that we could be called children of God's. Just, just go home and meditate on that for a while. 
how great the love of the Father has lavished on you. Lavished. Not just put a little bit. Hands up who likes butter on their toast. Hands up who really likes butter on their toast. Yeah, lavish it on. I don't, I just give you a warning, I don't like Nutella, but my daughter lavishes Nutella on. I'm like, whoa. Do you know, but lavish. Lavish is not just a little scrimp and a scraping. He's lavished it. He's pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. He's lavished his love on you. Woo! My cup overflows. Oh. This revelation is important. The revelation that we are in Christ. The revelation that we are his beloved sons. And I'll put daughters in there for the sake of it so you kind of feel it. But you know what I'm talking about. Authority, inheritance, all that kind of stuff. We are his beloved. We are in him. He is well pleased. Well, this revelation is important because it transforms you from the inside out. It transforms you from the inside out. You're not trying to change yourself. And the problem is that the, the, the bookshelves at the bookstores are filled with self-help stuff. And guess what? It doesn't work. It's going to let you down. The only one that doesn't let you down is Jesus. And he doesn't, he doesn't change you from the outside in. He changes you from the inside out. We're getting somewhere today. There's three things I want to finish with today. Three reasons why this revelation is so important to the church and so, so important to us today. The first one is it will change your life. When you're not striving to be loved anymore, where you're not striving to be accepted, where you're not striving to be noticed anymore, it changes your life. It changes the way that you interact with other people because you're not looking for their acceptance because you already have the acceptance of the one. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't encourage each other. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But you know what I'm trying to say, hopefully. You're not looking for acceptance from others because you already have the acceptance of the one. Too many people are looking for stuff from other people when it starts here. We have to go back to the source, amen. Perfect love casts out all fear. Not just some. Doesn't say some fear. Perfect love casts out some fear. No, no, no. Perfect love casts out all fear. All fear. You know the Greek word for sozo? I mean for salvation. <laughs> I've gone the other way. <laughs> The Greek, the Greek word for salvation that is, that is um, it's in the New Testament 110 times. 110 times this word sozo is in the New Testament. And it means wholeness. It's not just when I die I'm going to go to heaven because we are spirit, soul and body. It is wholeness. And the problem is that we have some sort of revelation about spiritual salvation, but so many people are carrying around baggage of the soul because they don't realize that Jesus paid the price for that as well. You don't need to carry around regret. You don't need to carry around shame. You don't need to carry around unforgiveness. You don't need to carry around bitterness. You don't need to carry around that stuff because Jesus dealt with that too. And that's why Paul said to the church in Ephesus and Colossus and other places, he says, let go. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the rage. Let go of the anger. Take off the old man and put on the new man that is being renewed into the image of Christ. Amen? 
Self gets dethroned as Jesus reigns. You know, I'm thinking about the overflow of that. You know, because we, we talk about perfect love casts out fear, and you think, well, what's this fear about? Fear of what? Fear of what? Fear. The whole, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle. Fear. Fear of not getting noticed. Fear of not being loved. Fear of not being in control. Does anyone have one? Anyone have that one? It's fear. Fear. Whole orbit. I love this verse. I'm trying not to take too long, hey. I'm trying to get a week. I'm trying to get a week and a half in because I'm in Tamworth next week, so I'm trying to. Nah, we got three great people sharing for up to 10 minutes. So we got Matt Abel's put his hand up for next week. Tom Isles has put his hand up for next week. And Brooke Harrington's put her hand up for next week. She's actually not well this morning. That's why she's not here. So pray for her. When I say pray for one another, pray for her. Hey. I love this. I love this. 1 John 3. Because we always know John 3.16, don't we? Oh, yeah, God so loved the world, yeah. But 1 John 3.16. Oh, what's that one? This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has the world's possessions and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion, how does God's love reside in him? Dear children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. And that's how Jesus loved. He didn't just pray. Yes, he prayed. Right to the day or the moment that he passed away, he was praying when he said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. He was praying, but he actually did it. Love in action transforms your life, transforms others. This revelation then transforms the church because as I've already mentioned, there's no competition, there's no jealousy, there's no strife, but in fact, there's a coming together. And when I was praying this week, I was going, ah, because the last couple of months I've had this phrase, to be a cradle for his glory. And I've mentioned it a few times, yep. That we would come together and be a cradle for his glory. We are living stones being knit together. So we need this revelation. Because otherwise we struggle to be knit together. There's a bit of friction going on. We come together and be a cradle for his glory. And then the Lord's um, revealed Ephesians 2 to me. And I was like, oh man. Because what normally happens with me, I get a prophetic phrase and a prophetic word and then, I, and then afterwards I find it in Scripture. Some people get a Scripture verse and they go the other way, but for me, I get the prophetic stuff and then I go, oh, there it is in Scripture. Which is a good because it's... Anyway, anyway. Ephesians 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Yep. Fellow citizens, so there's the, the people coming together. 
built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, this is it, in him the whole building is being put together, growing into a holy temple for God's dwelling place. There's a credit for his glory. In him we are being knit together. We're being knit together to be a holy temple, not bricks and mortar, but as people, a holy temple being knit together to be a place for his dwelling. Wow. God, dwell here. Dwell here, dwell. Dwell here. Can I be a little, can I just take 30 seconds to have a bit of an offshoot? There's this new thing happening in the, across the face of the earth and it's called online church and I hate it. Now, I'm not saying that it's all bad. You can get good teaching online. And if you can't get out, it's great to be encouraged in some form. But there's these droves of people leaving, catching up with other people, and all they do now is sit in their lounge room. You know what? That is actually destroying God's holy temple because we are called to come together and be a dwelling place together. And you cannot do that in your lounge room. You have to actually be with other people. We have to resist the patterns of this world. God's heart is that we would gather together. Whether you're 20 people in your home or 120 people here, it doesn't matter. But you gather with other people because you, too, you are being built together as a holy temple. Anyway, sorry, that's a... Anyway, the last thing is, please hear my heart in that, hey. The last one is it'll transform this region. It won't just transform your life, it won't just transform the church, but it'll actually transform the region. Why? Because our cup overflows, it can't, just, it can't stop. As you are transformed and as we are transformed, then it becomes transformed. Because it says in uh, Romans 8 verse 19 that all of creation is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. All creation is crying out in child pains, in child, you know, uh, um, yeah, child pains, maternity pains. I've never experienced that. No, but I've never experienced that because my wife says I've never experienced that because she had cesareans. So we've really never experienced that. But it says that creation is groaning groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. I actually believe that is a two-pronged verse. I actually believe that is talking about, you know, as Jesus comes and the sons of God rise, that creation is, because creation is under the curse and, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and all things are done away. But I also believe that it's a now thing. The creation is groaning for the, actually the people to recognize that we are sons of God. And that as Jesus spoke to the waves and said, be still. Didn't Jesus say that you'll do what I've been doing? I think creation is groaning for us to actually realise who, who we actually are and get a revelation of it and start to minister as Jesus did into this nation rather than just the way the church is. We see that in, in the outworking, you know, of the church in, in the book of Acts. There was transformation of a society, but it, was, but it was coming from the inside out. They'd received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had been outpoured. That, that, that had an encounter. And it was like, man, we've got to do something with this. And people were just ministering. People were loving. People were helping. People were sharing. People were going. And the presence of God was manifesting in such a way that people were added to the church daily. That is transformation of the region. 
And Jesus has done that for us. Jesus said that he was carrying out the Father's business. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. He's actually passed that baton on to us. We actually, every single one of us that's here today, actually has a part to play in the kingdom of God. And maybe that is your workplace where you're working. Maybe it's in other forms, in other areas of society. Maybe you don't know where that is right now. But every single one of us has a part to play in the kingdom of God, amen, as we carry out the Father's business. This region needs to see a true manifestation of God's family. It is bigger than us. It, it includes every household of believers in this city and this region. But it's got to start somewhere. And God is saying, I want you to go to another level. I want you to go deeper. I want you to fix your eyes upon me. I, I, I want you to seek me. Last week, about shifting of perspective. The music team, you can come up. The shifting of perspective that we fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. We've already had it this morning. Behold, as we behold the Lord, He changes us from glory to glory. God is speaking to us through many different ways, and we just tie it all together. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We behold Him in His glory. We are changed through the work of the Spirit within us. We get a revelation that we are the beloved in God and that He is well pleased with us, and we live differently because of that revelation. And out of that, transformation will start to come. Amen. Is there more than one person that said amen? Amen. 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 Come on. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand. Let's pray. Thank you for your generosity, hey, for Tamworth. That's um, it's good. It's very good. Do you, um, <laughs> I have a bit of a father's heart, and so you get a father's moment where you go, man, I'm so proud. We are going to bless that church in many ways. And they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because the kingdom of God is not restricted by boundaries or geographical location or denominational stuff. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Lord, we thank you today for your love that never fails. We thank you according to your word, which is truth, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ because we are found in you. That same love casts out all fear. That same love gives us a sense of purpose, security, identity, belonging. But, Lord, we need that revelation more. Father, I pray for all of us today that we're in a moment in a, in a cocoon where we're beholding you, Jesus, where we're seeking your face, where we're getting into your word and we're allowing you to change us from the inside out. And if we've never known that love, that there would be a breakthrough, that we would know the height and depth and width and depth of the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, bring revelation that we are your sons. And we are here to, 
We are here to worship you and we are here to carry out your business in this city of Bundaberg and beyond. We know you to be a God of transformation. We have seen whole cities saved in history. Why not here? Why not now? Why not us? God, have your way. We want to bow the knee. We want to come low before you because we recognize that apart from you, we can do nothing. Without you, we are nothing, God. We need you. It is you. It is you. It is you. And we say, may the words of our heart and the meditation of our mind be acceptable in your sight, O God. Oh, Jesus. Show. Jesus. Who loves Jesus? Who loves Jesus? Who is so thankful? Who is so thankful for what He has done? Who is so thankful for what He is doing? Let's not just stand and say, you know, yeah, we're a Christian and, and that's it. But let's keep pressing on to live out the fullness of that sonship that is ours in Jesus Christ. Amen. He's a way maker. He's a way maker. He makes a way where there is no way. He is the God of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. Let's just worship Him in song. Yeah.